Please be seated. So I promise it's not going to be every time Tim preaches, he's going to make us sing. But I'm going to make you sing today, again. Because you know how you get a song stuck in your head? And, and you know, the, I found the best way to get it out is, is to make a church full of people sing it with you. So this is a song, and, and it's real easy. You repeat after me, okay? And if you do it right the first time, we won't do it twice in, in a round. So just... So it goes like this. It goes, so I'm going to point to myself, and then I'll point to you, and you repeat me, okay? And y'all can help me out. Anyone go to Young Life growing up? Okay. It goes, King Jesus is all. King Jesus is all. My all in all. My all in all. I know he'll answer. I know he'll answer. Me when I call. Me when I call. Walking by my side. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. King Jesus is all. King Jesus is all. My all and all. all all. Very good. Give yourselves a hand. That was good. So, lovely song. But have you ever stopped to think about how weird it is for American kids, especially, to sing a song called King Jesus is All? I mean, we just had Thanksgiving, and the whole reason we have Thanksgiving now is because um, a a bunch of people got in a boat and came over here because monarchs were hassling them about their religion. And, you know, we in the States, um, you know, we founded an entire country, this this democratic republic, uh, on rebellion from a monarchy. And so that's why in some places you'll find this Sunday called... Reign of Christ Sunday. Isn't that convenient? We can avoid the word Christ the King. Now, I love those icons of little baby Jesus, little nine-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus in his golden diaper, holding a scepter with a crown and an orb in this hand. I mean, how would a baby even be able to sit up with that? And a crown on his head, sitting on top of the globe. Anybody ever seen those? And those also ought to be disturbing to Americans especially. Because, I mean, we just have never gotten along well with monarchy, have we? Um, I remember in 1976, anybody remember that year? The 200th anniversary of our country. Um, That was long before you were born, Kim. And uh, I remember we had a friend from England come over that particular summer. And I was 10 years old at the time. And I used to love telling him how awful the English monarchy was and how much we hated King George III. I knew the whole kind of propaganda, you know. And so uh, we ought not be comfortable with this notion of, of king. And I think we're not comfortable with it because, you know, we left a certain kind of tyranny when we left the English monarchy and other monarchies. I mean... Granted, you know, there are some churches up, up the East Coast a little bit, uh, Episcopal churches, and I've heard this is true, that still have uh, English flags in the back of them. Um, but, you know, Queen Elizabeth, who gave us the Via Media and, and who we can trace back our b- beloved Book of Common Prayer, 
You know, she, she was no angel herself. I mean, she burned people at the stake for disagreeing with her religious beliefs. Um, even uh, one of the last people burned at the stake, we've sainted in our holy women, holy men. His last name was White, and he was an Anabaptist who was burned at the stake. Um, and I grew up as an Anabaptist, as a Southern Baptist. Um, and so monarchy rules by uh, a principle, really, of tyranny, doesn't it? Um, there's an absolute person who's given the hereditary right to tell you what to do, and if you don't do what they tell you what to do, they can have you killed. And that's, in principle, how our country is not supposed to run. And what we work hard uh, to make it not look like, we work hard to make our country not ever be ruled by the principle of tyranny. And so today we get, the last two weeks or so, we've gotten um, these pronouncements from Jesus that make him sound, well, I mean, kind of tyrannical. Because last week uh, he talked about eternal punishment um, in the parable of uh, the, the, the slaves, the, the um, talents, the parable of talents. Um, the, one, the one slave who did not invest the talent wisely was kicked out forever. And then today, of course, um, there's the sheep and the goats. And the goats go down to, to hell because they have not taken care of um, the sick and the imprisoned and uh, the hungry and the naked. And so... Christ the King Sunday is just a really wonderful way to end ordinary time and begin Advent, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Jesus, it ends with Jesus kind of saying, do this or else. But I want to give us another look at this because if, if we look at it in context, you know, Jesus' uh, followers really didn't understand uh, the principles of uh, democratic uh, re- Republican democracy, um, did they? I mean, they didn't understand the, the concept of one person, one vote. Um, they'd been ruled all their lives by uh, tyrants of one sort or another, and they'd been told what to do in their religious life, and they'd been told that these kinds of people are in and these kinds of people are out, and you've got to judge people by this standard or else, and you've got to pay your taxes to Caesar, not ever say anything bad about Caesar, um, and get out of the way of his troops marching through town or else. And so they really understood this concept of or else very well. And they also understood the concept that that power was something that was hoarded by a few people, as was uh, money and religious influence, and, and they were not those people. And, and that those people ruled them by the principle of tyranny and by the principle of or else. So they understood this kind of judgment. Um, do what I say or you're going to go forever and be outcast. But what Jesus is describing for them is an entirely different kind of rule. I bet they thought at some point he was getting to um, the point of, you know, the, sheeps and the, the sheep and the goats um, being sorted out by some other principle. I'm sure that they thought he was going to come along and, and, and give, lay on them some kind of um, high-ended piety or something about cleanliness laws or, or something about the Samaritans or some other uh, scapegoat in their midst. But yet, he gives the story a little twist, doesn't he, here in the end? And you know, 
this kind of or else sets us free from a different kind of or else spiritual tyranny. It's one that a lot of us are probably familiar with, right? Um, We grew up with this idea that we as individuals had to embrace certain tenets of faith somehow, either through saying a prayer um, with, with a minister off at the side or, or, or saying that we'd uh, given our heart away, which is wonderful. We give our hearts away all the time to God. And it all was sort of predicated on this thing happening one time. But then we all lived the rest of our lives. I know I did wondering, wow, did it really take? You know, am I a sheep or am I a goat? Um, because maybe there's all these things that I'm still doing, all these or else's that I am violating here all along. And then we find ourselves, all our lives ruled by the same kind of tyrant that Jesus is speaking out against. You know, the kind of tyrants that Jesus knew would never have organized a world around caring for the sick. They never would have organized a world around justice for the imprisoned. They never would have organized a community around making sure everyone has clothes and food. They organized their world around preserving their own power, and preserving their own influence, and preserving that fear that they have over those little people that Jesus is speaking to today. And see, our way out here is that we're asked to embrace a faith that's not individualistic. This faith, this faith that Jesus talks about, if, if, if I may use this word, is so much more cosmic than that. So much bigger. By these standards, Jesus says, I will rule and I will judge the nations. He's giving his children back then, the children of Israel, a way in which they too can once again be a blessing to all people. And his standards are clear, but they're not simple. And they're in no way easy, he says, Clothe the naked, feed the hungry, tend to the sick, visit and care for the imprisoned, and then you will be living out my rule here, my children. So we're offered uh, this, this new kind of rule here, aren't we? Um, we're offered this new opportunity to be a blessing to all the world, this new opportunity to step out of this individualistic kind of faith and to embrace this faith that encompasses the entire world. You might find yourself on any given day at some place like the Atlanta Community Food Bank working, packing boxes with someone. And if you start one of those conversations, like, like we did once when we were working, well, where are you guys from? It was 10 young men from tech who were all Saudi Arabian and Muslim. And the lady sitting next to me, um, she thought it was funny we were from a church because she was atheist. And, and, and the man uh, down there was Baha'i, and the one behind me was Pentecostal. And you know, I think we even had a few Southern Baptists scattered in the crowd. <laughs> and see, in that way, in that way, Um, All of those little particulars of who we are and all of those ways in which religiosity and all these various or else's we grew up with suddenly dissolved. And all of us in that moment were living under the reign 
of this Christ. So we can live under the reign of Christ and under Christ this kind of king when we embrace the least of these, Jesus says, when we embrace this mandate, he is then, for all of us, our all in all.